Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I'm your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, showing much flex when it's time to wreck a mic, pipping hoes and clocking the grip like my name was Dolomite. Dion, sorry, Gordon, enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. You know, a co-worker the other day told me that you can't talk about football anymore because football season is over with. With the end of Super Bowl 56, with the commencement of the thorough ass-kicking that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gave the Kansas City Chiefs, at the end of the game, February 2nd was the last time you could ever possibly talk about football, to which I call bullshit. Cut the malarkey, pal. What a bunch of baloney. What are you telling me? I can't talk about football anymore because the football season is over with? How dare you? Audacity. Blasphemous. Get the fuck out of here. Don't you know football season never ends? You are stuck in a vortex of football. Football season is continuous. It is year-long. All day, every day, twice on Sunday. Just because the season was technically over with the Super Bowl doesn't mean football is done. We got the NFL Combine coming up right around the corner. Trevor Lawrence already had his pro day. I'm sure you have many others who will also have a pro day coming up soon. The start of the new league year is March 17th. All trades become final. Free agency officially begins. In April, you've got the draft, then OTAs, then minicamp, then preseason, training camp, then preseason, then the regular season, which is a brand new NFL football season. So for people to think that the football season is over just because the Super Bowl was played and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came through and crushed the buildings on Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, I got news for you. I got something I got something for you. Football season is never over. I've had people uh, throughout this entire podcasting journey ask me, why don't you ever talk about basketball? You know, you got to do a basketball topic. Football season's over with. You got to talk a little bit of basketball now. I don't know. I'm a little bit bored with basketball now. I mean, I, it's a shame. It's my favorite sport growing up. I played basketball. I always liked bas- basketball. It's my number one sport. And football just overtook it about... 10, 12 years ago, and even even then, I was I was one of those people who would get upset when ESPN would talk about football in the middle of June. Now I've become one of those people. I would rather hear about football than whatever's going on with other sports. I just feel like other sports have gotten watered down. Basketball is not what it used to be. You know, neither is baseball. I was telling someone the other day, you can look at the biggest stars in Major League Baseball right now. They can walk into any break room of any job in, in America and be 100% unrecognizable and anonymous. Mike Trout could show up to wherever you work at right now, and no one, I guarantee you no one in your break room would recognize him. They would just say, who is that big white dude? When did he start working here? I just feel like the other sports have gotten watered down, but football is still highly interesting to me. The biggest thing I'm interested in right now is what's going on with the most important position in football. That, of course, would be the quarterback position. A lot of movement, a lot of fluidity, a lot of change. Big names coming and going. Matt Stafford going to the Rams. Carson Wentz going to Indianapolis. Where's Deshaun Watson going to go? What's the, what's the future status of Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco? So Wilson on the Dan Patrick radio show talking spicy about his offensive line. Potentially, was, was he requesting a trade when he did that interview with Dan Patrick? What about Dak, what about Dak Prescott in Dallas? Are they going to franchise him again for like the fourth year in a row? Are they going to pay him? You know, the status of Dak changed when he had that catastrophic ankle injury and was out for the season with a compound fracture. So... There's a lot of things to digest, a lot of things to talk about. I'm going to get into it right now. I'm going to start with the big news from yesterday. Carson Wentz being traded from the Indian, from, traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-rounder, according to NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, who reported that on Thursday. 
The 2022 conditional second-round pick becomes a first-round selection if Wentz plays 75% of the snaps in 2021 or 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. I like this trade for Indianapolis. I like it for a lot of reasons. Number one, it reunites Carson Wentz with Frank Reich, who was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia in 2017, who was assisting Doug Peterson in the play calling for that Eagles squad and went on to win the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz played 13 games that season, led the Eagles to an 11-2 record and tore his ACL in the fourth quarter of a Week 13, Week 14 game versus the L.A. Rams. Was out for the rest of the season. Obviously, Nick Foles came in, took over, guided them throughout the divisional round to the NFC Championship games to Super Bowl 52 versus the New England Patriots. We had the game of his life. Foles was named MVP of the game. The Eagles won the Super Bowl 41-33. And ever since that, nothing was ever the same for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. That year, he played at an MVP level. Carson Wentz in 2017 threw 13 games, threw for 33 touchdown passes and seven interceptions. He was playing at an MVP level before he got hurt. Foles came in, took over, they won. You know, and Foles gets all the credit for that Super Bowl championship in uh, 2017. And he deserves a lot of the credit for the way he played in the postseason, the way, especially the way he played in the Super Bowl. But a point that I've been making for years now, the Eagles are not in position to make that run to go in the Super Bowl if it wasn't for what Carson Wentz contributed for the first 13 games of that season. Nick Foles did not lead them wire to wire from week one to Super Bowl 52 and every game in between. I understand he started in and played in the Super Bowl and played at a high level, like I said, played the game of his life, he played out of his mind. But they are once again, they are not in position to make that run without Carson Wentz. I, for many years, have been one of Carson Wentz's biggest supporters. I've told many people I discuss football with how much I like Carson Wentz, the talent, the potential, the ability that I believe exists within him. I think Carson Wentz is one of the better quarterbacks in this league when everything when everything around him is right. He got so much blame and so much criticism for everything that went wrong in Philadelphia. There's a list of things that went wrong in Philadelphia. And some of that is his fault. He's culpable in some things. But we got to look around the rest of the organization. We got to look at, first of all, how terrible the Eagles have been in the draft the past couple of years. What weapons have you surrounded Carson Wentz with? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? Jalen Rager? Dallas Goddard, I mean, get the fuck out of here. Wentz last season had his worst season in the NFL by the numbers, but some, you know, like I said, some of that's on him. He's, he is culpable in this, but some of that's on the pieces or lack thereof around him. You know, he's been throwing the guys like Alshon Jeffrey, who will more than likely be the next prominent name to be exiled out of Philadelphia post-winning Super Bowl 52. You know, Doug Peterson's already been fired. Wentz has now been traded to Indianapolis. Alshon Jeffrey will probably be up out of there next. He only played in seven games last year, started in two. Had about 115 yards receiving for the two games he started in. I think uh, for a guy who's been in the league since 2012, 31 years of age, I think he's slowing down. Not much of a weapon at this point in his career. To me, the only real weapon they had in Philadelphia last year was Miles Sanders, the running back that took out of Penn State, who was uh, college teammates with Saquon Barkley. I think he was, like I said, the only real weapon Carson Wentz had. And then we got to talk about the offensive line. That offensive line is in shambles, and that might be putting it nicely. If you try to compare the Eagles' offensive line to the Colts' offensive line, it's embarrassing for the Eagles' offensive line. The Eagles last season had 710 pass snaps, gave up 39 sacks, I'm sorry, 59 sacks, 34 quarterback hits, 200 pressures. The Colts last season gave up 573 pass snaps, only gave up 12 sacks, 24 quarterback hits, 124 pressures. 
I think Carson Wentz is going to do great things for the Indianapolis Colts for that reason. Specifically, he has a much better offensive line in Indianapolis than he does in Philadelphia. You've got Quentin Nelson, who's the best right guard in the NFL, the best guard in the NFL, period. Won't be running for your life the entire season as you were last year in Philadelphia if you're Carson Wentz. They have capable receivers. They have a good running game. The defense is stout. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I think Indianapolis can make a run to the Super Bowl next season. This is a team that's had a different starting quarterback every year ever since Andrew Luck abruptly retired in 2000, before the 2019 season. So they had Jacoby Brissett start that season. Last year, 2020, they had Phillip Rivers as a starter. He retires now. The Colts needed a quarterback because, like I said, they have a team that's ready-made to go to the Super Bowl right now. All they need is a quarterback, and they found one. So happens to already have prior history with Frank Reich. He had his most productive season under Frank Reich as offensive coordinator. This is a win overall for Indianapolis. I think Philadelphia lost on the other hand. You look at the timeline of events that has transpired in Philadelphia, winning Super Bowl 52, 2017, and see the way that team has come apart in a three-year span. Drafting Jalen Hurts in April 2020. Doug Peterson's been fired. Jalen Hurts has now Jalen Hurts last season. Replaced Carson Wentz as the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now Carson Wentz has been traded. Nick Sirianni gets hired as the head coach to replace Doug Peterson coming over from the Indianapolis Colts. So in a three-year span, after winning Super Bowl 52, the first ever Super Bowl championship in Philadelphia Eagles franchise history, the head coach of that team is gone. The starting quarterback in that game is gone. It was Nick Foles. And the starting quarterback who led them to an 11-2 record to put them in position to make that run is now gone. In a three-year span, the wheels have completely come off the Philadelphia Eagles. Life happens fast. Life happens very, very, very fast. In the blink of an eye, your fortune can change for the good or for the bad. You can be on top one day, on the bottom the next, and vice versa. The Philadelphia Eagles won Super Bowl 52. This year they went like, what, 5-10-1, and won some ridiculous record like that, poor record, and still miraculously in contention to win the NFC East down the week 16 of last season. That's how pathetic that division was. But you've gone from winning winning Super Bowl 52 to now losing your coach and both your quarterbacks who put you in position to win that game. Life happens fast. Another example, look at the L.A. Rams. They were in Super Bowl 53 in 2018. They came up short. They lost to the Patriots 13-3. The starting quarterback for that team in that game was Jared Goff, who was the number one pick in 2016. The number one and two picks. In 2016, gone from the teams that drafted them. Jared Goff's been traded from the L.A. Rams. Carson Wentz has been traded from the Philadelphia Eagles. In a five-year span, the two quarterbacks who were drafted 1-2 and two in 2016 no longer with their teams. Back in the old days, it was that you draft a quarterback and he, you let him sit for about two or three years and he'll probably play like year four or five. You know, it was, it was a five-year plan for quarterbacks when you drafted them back in the day. Now... It's either you win now or show me something now or you'll be out the door next season. You saw this in Arizona with, with Josh Rosen. They took Josh Rosen with the 10th pick in that draft, 2019 draft. One year later, he was gone, out the door in Miami. They drafted Colin Murray. Arizona had already seen enough of Josh Rosen to come to a decision that this guy is not going to be the franchise quarterback to identify someone currently in the college ranks, Colin Murray at the University of Oklahoma, putting together a Heisman Trophy winning season, breaking records, putting, putting up crazy highlights every week, doing big things in Norman, Oklahoma. You bring in Cliff Kingsbury from Texas Tech. He brings his air raid offense to Arizona. You draft Colin Murray in conjunction with that. 
you kick Josh Rosen out the door. Josh Rosen saw the same thing with the Miami. They identified Tua Tungavailoa as the guy they wanted to be their franchise quarterback. They've got rid of Josh Rosen again. Now he's with the 49ers. And Tua Tungavailoa might be gone from Miami. Things happen fast. The patience is at an all-time low with quarterbacks. Teams are not trying to wait. Teams are in a hurry-up-and-win-now mindset. And if you identify someone else as being the franchise quarterback, he can be in college, he could be on another team, he could be a starter somewhere else, he could be a backup somewhere else. If your front office and the people who make the decisions on your football team identify someone else as being the franchise quarterback, best believe the current quarterback will be expedited out of there, and whoever they identified as being the next guy is going to be brought in to be the next guy. It's just that simple. The movement now is at an all-time high in the NFL. It's similar to the NBA with the way players are moving around. Big names, big star players going from one place to the next. Tom Brady broke the mold on this. Tom Brady left New England after being there for 20 years to Tampa Bay and brought them a Super Bowl in his first season starting in Tampa Bay. First year with the Buccaneers, already wins a championship. You, you don't think other quarterbacks, other star quarterbacks are looking at that with a little bit of envy, a little bit of jealousy, and thinking to themselves, well, Brady just did it. Why can't I? You don't think Russell Wilson who was sitting who Russell Wilson was at the Super Bowl this year and looked absolutely miserable in the press box, sitting next to Sierra and Commissioner Goodell. He looked like someone took a shit in his cornflakes. He looked terrible. He had a nice suit on, but he looked miserable. He looked like someone just shot his dog. Because he's sitting at the press box of the Super Bowl and not watching it. Because he remembered. Super Bowl 49 was ancient. That's a long time ago. It's 2014 where he came up a couple of, a half a yard short. A questionable decision to throw a pass at the one yard line instead of giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch, blowing a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter. The Legion of Boom blew a 10 point lead to Tom Brady in the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl that put the Patriots up 28 24, and it ended up being the final score of the game. Since then, Russell Wilson hasn't sniffed the Super Bowl. You don't think. He's looking at Brady on that field and thinking to himself, maybe I should do the same thing. Maybe I should force a trade out of Seattle, go somewhere else with a ready-made football team with talented people already in place, a team with a quality offensive line, good receivers, and a good enough defense that gets better as the season goes along, and I can carry them to a championship? Come on. He had to be thinking that. Deshaun Watson had to be thinking that to himself. Every other star quarterback in this league who was not in a good situation like Patrick Mahomes is in, had to be thinking that to themselves. The quarterback's league now more than ever. If you don't have a quarterback, you almost don't have a chance. There's a sense of urgency that exists in the NFL that's never existed before. Every team, I won't say every team, but at least 15 teams in this league think they have a realistic shot at making a run to a Super Bowl. The time is now. If you can make a trade to bring a quarterback in or unload some unwanted assets or free up cap room and get acquire more draft picks. Whatever you got to do, be aggressive. Teams are being aggressive now more than ever. If you see somebody in the draft, you're going to trade draft picks to move up to get that guy. College quarterbacks are being expected to hit the ground running from day one and already be productive as soon as they get to the NFL. In the case of guys like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, they were. They were already good from day one. But you look at someone like, I don't know, Drew Locke for the Denver Broncos, he's been terrible. They're already talking about replacing him. He's only been there for about two years. You know, sitting around and waiting for a quarterback to develop, those days are over with. It's rare. I don't think it happens with any team in the league right now. If you draft someone in the first round, you expect that guy to play. Lamar Jackson played from day one. Baker Mayfield had to wait a little bit for Tyrod Taylor. 
he played two or three games and Tyrod Taylor was gone and then Baker Mayfield took over. He played his rookie season. These are guys from the 2018 NFL Draft. Josh Allen played from day one. Sam Darnold played from day one. Josh Rosen, like I said, barely played sporadically, and they didn't like him. They grew frustrated with him after one year and got him up out of there. It's a win-now league, and the quarterback is either dispensable or irreplaceable depending on who he is and how good he is. Patrick Mahomes is irreplaceable. Josh Rosen is disposable. I touched on the LA Rams earlier. I'll talk about that situation. Sean McVay grew disenchanted with Jared Goff. And I think what really was the breaking point in LA, this is this is just me talking, me speculating. The game that really let McVay know that Goff was not it was that second game versus the 49ers when Goff was 19 to 31 and Buck 98 and had two hideous interceptions. And he's doing that when the other quarterback on the other side of the field was Nick Mullins. Drafted free agent Nick Mullins outplayed first pick in the NFL draft, Jared Goff, badly that day. He embarrassed him. Nick Mullins wasn't great, but he was better than Jared Goff. Much more efficient. Let a game win and drive. Win the game from the 49ers 23-20. But Jared Goff was erratic, inaccurate, poor decisions, late with the football. He looked like a rookie playing his first game in that game. And he had other games like that. The Miami game, he was also hideous in that game. And then you, down the stretch, as, it, as the season progressed, you know, the Rams made the playoffs, but they were being carried by the number one defense in the NFL. The offense, garbage. It's been garbage ever since the second half of 2018 when they made their playoff run to get the Super Bowl 53. Remember, they scored three points in that game. The prolific offense they had throughout much of that season, but down the stretch with Todd Gurley and his knees deteriorating, with Cooper Cup tearing the ACL, the offense wasn't firing on, on all cylinders like it was. And ever since 2017, the offensive numbers for the L.A. Rams have decreased in every year. In 2017, they were first in scoring. 2018, second. 2019, 11th. Last season, they were 22nd. The passing game in 2017, 10th. 2018, 5th. 2019, 4th. Last season, 13th. The running game in 2017, they were 8th in the league. 2018, they were 3rd. 2019, they were 26th. Last season, they were 10th. Yards per play. 2017, they were 6th. 2018, they were 2nd. 2019, 13th. Last season, 18th. Turnovers, 13th in 2017, 11th in 2018, 22nd in 2019, 25th last season. The numbers have gotten progressively worse for the L.A. Rams offense ever since 2017, and a lot of that is, is in direct correlation with Todd Gurley and his knees fucking up. Sean McVay had to change the personnel groupings on the offense. They were more of an eye formation team when they had Gurley. Uh, ever since he kind of fell off, they're going to more of a 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends on the field. So he had to change things up. But I feel like in some ways, teams are caught up to McVay's offense, which is pretty much a derivative of the Shanahan offense. But McVay doesn't run it the exact same way Shanahan runs it. Shanahan's offense is still more effective. Kevin Stefanski runs another version of it in Cleveland. That's been effective. Baker Mayfield's played the best football of his career last season. But for some reason, it didn't translate to Jared Goff having success when they became a more pass-dominant football team in the wake of Todd Gurley falling off. They went out and drafted Cam Akers, who's been productive for them. But for some reason, last, last year, Goff just couldn't recapture the magic that he had in 2017 and 2018, even a little bit of 2019. He fell off. He was not the quarterback that he was in years prior. And like I said, this guy started at quarterback for this team in Super Bowl 53, and now he's gone. Made the deal with the Lions to bring in Matt Stafford, gave up a bunch of draft picks. The Rams don't give a fuck about early-round draft picks. The Rams haven't had a first-round draft pick since Jared Goff in 2016. 
You look at the amount of picks they gave up to get Jalen Ramsey, the amount of picks they made to, they gave up to bring in Matt Stafford. This is a prime example of what I was talking about earlier. This is a we're ready to win right now. We have the number one defense in the NFL. We have a good enough running game with Cam Akers. All we need is a quarterback to put us over the top. We've already identified Jared Goff is not that guy, but we think Matt Stafford can be that guy. Even as a 49er fan, I admire the move. I admire the aggressive nature of the L.A. Rams. Not wasting time, not fucking around. You, you already identified that Jared Goff is not your guy, and you think you can improve upon that position. Go ahead and do it. Pull the trigger. Matt Stafford is 32, and in my estimation, the quarterbacks are playing to about 40 nowadays. You got Brady at 43, Breeze played to about 40 or 41, Ben's pushing 40, Rodgers, Matt Ryan. You know, quarterbacks can push it to about 40 nowadays. So with that being said, Stafford has about eight or nine, maybe 10 good years left. Why not make this deal? 32 is not that old in today's NFL for quarterbacks. If you think Stafford's the guy who put you over the top, go ahead and do it. There are people who are anti-Stafford say that, well, Stafford never won anything in Detroit. Did he ever have a running game? Did he ever have any any type of a defense? He got to the playoffs three times, lost all three times he got there. He carried them to the playoffs three times. They would not have sniffed the playoffs if it wasn't for Matt Stafford. Losing Calvin Johnson, the early retirement. Who did, who played running back for the Lions in the past decade? Javid Best? Get the fuck out of here. The Lions have been a joke ever since about, I don't know, 1957, the last time they won it. Even with Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, they've always been a joke the past 50 years. No quarterback is ever going to win in Detroit. Stafford should have left a long time ago. Uh, as a football fan, I'm happy he got out of Detroit. As a 49er fan, I'm dreading this move. I'm nervous about this because, like I said, we currently, as of right now, have the worst quarterback in the NFC West. I wish the 49ers had made that aggressive deal to go out and get Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, based on talent and everything, just individual talent, what he, whatever he brings to the table, his arm strength, what he can do, Matt Stafford is a top 10 quarterback in his league just based off pure talent. He has that capability. He's just never had anything around him. It's always been just him by himself going out there trying his best to keep that team afloat, to keep their head above water. If you ever put Stafford in a situation where he has good football players around him, a defense that so he doesn't have to carry the team every week, if he was ever in a situation where he ever had anything around him, I think he produced. I think he win a championship. I don't buy into this narrative that Matt Stafford's a loser just because he's been in a loser team. No one, like I said, no one's going to win in Detroit. Brady cannot win in Detroit. A good move for the Rams to bring in Stafford. It's a good move for him individually to finally go to a competent football team, have an opportunity to finally compete for a championship, to legitimately, seriously compete for a championship. Once again, I just wish my team had the same courage to pull the trigger and make a big deal like that. In regards to the San Francisco 49ers, let's just go ahead and get to it. My favorite football team, my beloved San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, in my estimation, if you've been listening to the podcast, first of all, I appreciate the listen. Secondly, if you have been listening to this podcast throughout the entire duration of this podcast, you already know exactly how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he is borderline, mediocre, average, okay, decent. Every now and then he can have some big moments. He can make a big throw. In my estimation, Jimmy Garoppolo's have four and a half good games for the San Francisco 49ers, and they all took place in the 2019 season. San Francisco 49ers should absolutely move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. This is a quarterback who has missed 23 games in the last three NFL football seasons. In 2018, he played three games and then blew out his knee, foolishly trying to scramble for a first down out of bounds versus the Kansas City Chiefs. 
missed the remaining 13 games of that season. Last year, he, he played six games with a win-loss record of 3-3 three and three, with a touchdown to interception ratio of 7-5. to five. He's done now twice in his career. 2017, his first year with San Francisco when he started the last five games of the season. The 49ers won those last five games. Garoppolo's touchdown to interception ratio was 7-5. 2019 notwithstanding, I don't think it's worth the investment or the money or the capital involved to maintain this always injured, inconsistent, erratic, inaccurate, poor decision-making quarterback on your roster for $27 million that he, he will be due if he's still on the roster for this football season. You can get rid of him, and it's only a $2.8 million cap hit. To me, this is a no-brainer. Now, some people will say, well – you got to get someone better than Garoppolo. You got to have an upgrade. You got to have someone to take his place. I agree with that because this fan base, for whatever reason, for right or wrong, a lot of 49er fans love Jimmy Garoppolo. Me personally, I don't get it, but these people will argue and fight you to the death. They will sell their firstborn child if it meant keeping Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. They love Jimmy Jesus. The Jimmy Sickle fans are out in full force, and they will be quick to remind you about how good Jimmy was in 2019 because apparently the 2019 football season is the only football season that ever mattered in NFL history. And because Jimmy was okay, decent, kind of good in certain games of 2019, that means he should be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers from now to the end of time. Get the fuck out of here. But the point, with, point notwithstanding – there's a strong amount of support for Jimmy Garoppolo in the California Bay Area amongst 49er fans, and you absolutely cannot replace him with someone that the fan base thinks is inferior to Garoppolo. There's been some talk about making a trade for Sam Darnold. There's been some rumors about Mitch Trubisky. There was rumors about Carson Wentz before he got traded. I personally would have loved that because, as I said before at the beginning of this podcast, Carson Wentz, I've seen Carson Wentz play MVP caliber football in his career. I've never seen Jimmy Garoppolo play consistent MVP caliber football at any point in his career. But you can't replace Jimmy with Mr. Trubisky or Sam Darnold. I agree with that. The fan base ain't going to put up with that shit. They will burn Levi's Stadium to the ground if you made a deal for Mr. Trubisky or Sam Darnold and got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo because in these people's minds, because we got to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo as a quarterback, he is the best quarterback we've had since Joe Montana and Steve Young. Once again, I do not agree with that statement, but that's the – the mentality of a lot of 49er fans. They love Jimmy Garoppolo. So that brings me to this point. I firmly believe Jimmy should not be on this roster. I don't think Jimmy is the answer for the 49ers' problems at the most important position in pro sports. I think this offseason is the most important offseason in Kyle Shanahan's young coaching career. He absolutely must get this right. He has to find his quarterback. He has to get the quarterback that can carry this football team throughout this decade into the next decade and bring home that elusive six Lombardi trophy to San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and Adam Peters, the brain trust for the San Francisco 49ers, have to get this offseason right. Their jobs depend on it. In particular, Shanahan and Lynch, their 49er careers depend on on who they get the quarterback this football team going forward and how this team plays going forward. So with all that being said, you can't replace Garoppolo with someone like Trubisky or Sam Darnold or Matt Ryan from Atlanta or Kirk Cousins. You have to get someone that the fan base at least should be intelligent enough to know is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, although you might be surprised. There are some people who would say Jimmy is better than this quarterback I'm about to say. But if you're going to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're going to find that quarterback, 
to fit Shanahan and run his system to near perfection. Look no further than Houston, Texas. And the man who was, in my estimation, the third best quarterback in the National Football League, I'm talking about Deshaun Watson. Angry, disgruntled, unhappy Deshaun Watson who does not want to be in Houston, Texas. And who can blame him? Because Houston is an absolute dumpster fire. J.J. Watt is gone from Houston. They foolishly and stupidly got rid of DeAndre Hopkins last year for David Johnson. That team is a mess. That team was a joke. That team is an embarrassment. Deshaun Watson has every right to not want to be a part of that absolute shit show in Houston, Texas. The San Francisco 49ers should come in, make a deal. If they really are serious about winning championships, if, if Kyle Shanahan is really serious about finding his quarterback, stop fucking around. Don't look, at, don't look at Kirk Cousins. Don't look at Matt Ryan. Don't think about a guy who fits your system. Think about a guy who fits your system and can do other shit on his own. You don't have to do so much work schematically getting guys open, making sure the play runs at the optimum level. Deshaun Watson can do things by himself. You already fucked up by not drafting him in 2017 or Patrick Mahomes. You have an opportunity to redeem yourself. You can get Deshaun Watson in the trade. Now, that trade is going to come with a steep price. Houston's probably going to ask for about three or four first-round picks and another good player on the team, probably Nick Bosa. If that's what it, if that's what it takes, if that's the asking price for the Houston Texans to, for the San Francisco 49ers to acquire Deshaun Watson, fuck it, I'll do it. If I'm John Lynch, if I'm the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, I'll pull the trigger on that deal tomorrow, today, ASAP, whenever the time is right. I will pull the trigger on that deal. Send a 49er private jet to wherever Deshaun Watson is at to pick him up and bring him to Santa Clara to sign that deal. Four first-round draft picks and Nick Bosa. That's steep. That's asking a lot. But this is a generational quarterback. This is a generational talent. It's a transcendent talent in the National Football League. The only quarterback who might be more individually talented than Deshaun Watson is Patrick Mahomes, maybe Josh Allen. Those three, and Aaron Rodgers still is playing at that high of a level. He's still one of the more individually talented quarterbacks in the league. Stafford's in that conversation too. He's an elite quarterback. He's something the 49ers haven't had since the mid-90s with Steve Young. The closest thing we had to an elite quarterback was Colin Kaepernick. As much as I like Colin Kaepernick, Deshaun Watson is better than, than Colin Kaepernick. He's better than any and every quarterback that 49ers have had since Steve Young. It's a quarterback's league. Imagine if in Super Bowl 54, the 49ers had Deshaun Watson on their team. They had a quarterback who could go play for play, throw for throw with Patrick Mahomes. Instead of having a quarterback who went 3 for 13, 36 yards, 2.8 quarterback rating, one interception and no touchdowns in Super Bowl 54. In the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 54, Garoppolo was terrible in that game, and he can't stay healthy. And whenever pressure, whenever the pocket breaks down and pressure gets to him, he weakly takes a sack, and in doing so, he probably gets hurt. Deshaun Watson, outside of an ACL, his rookie season, doesn't get hurt. He's bounced back a lot better from his torn ACL than Jimmy Garoppolo has. He went 33-7 and last year, touchdown to interception ratio. Garoppolo's never put up numbers like that. His best season was 2019, the year we went to the Super Bowl. Garoppolo was 29-13 in touchdown-to-interception ratio, threw for about 3,984 yards, 67% completion percentage. He has good numbers, good season, but even his best season is not on par with a throwaway season for Deshaun Watson. Houston was dog shit last year, and he still put those numbers up. They took everything around him. He had Will Fuller, and that was about it. And he went 33-7 last year, and he played at a consistently high level. He can make throws that Garoppolo can't. He can escape pressure. He can extend plays. 
He can make every single play in Kyle Shanahan's playbook and then some. Garoppolo can only throw across the middle of the field in between the numbers. Garoppolo can only throw certain throws with consistency and with confidence. An angle route, a screen, a dig, a curl, that's it. Angle routes out the backfield, a screen, a dig, a curl, a slant, that's it. Routes that go probably go across the middle of the field, somewhere between 5 to 15 yards in the line of scrimmage. That's all he can throw between the numbers. Garoppolo is not going to throw an out pattern with confidence. He's not going to throw a corner route with confidence. He's not going to throw a go route with confidence. We saw that in Super Bowl 54. He's not going to throw a post pattern, I should say, uh, to correct myself. Emmanuel Sanders ran a post on that play. Garoppolo can't hit that with confidence. Deshaun Watson can make that throw. Deshaun Watson can make every throw on the field. He opens up the entire playbook. Kyle Shanahan's offense in, in, in a dream scenario, what Kyle Shanahan really wants to do is reenact what he did in 2016 with the Atlanta Falcons. Get the running game going, play action, take bombs and shots downfield. That's what he wants to do. That's the ultimate end game for this offense. And you can't really do that with Jimmy Garoppolo because he doesn't throw it downfield with consistency or regularity. The ceiling for Jimmy Garoppolo, and I feel like he's already met that ceiling. I feel like this is the best he's ever going to be. He's 30 years old. He can't stay on the field. When he is on the field, he isn't very productive. Time to move on. That's just me. That's just my opinion. And if it, even if it means giving up Nick Bosa, I'll do it. Nick Bosa's a f- phenomenal football player. He's awesome. He's coming off ACL of his own, so there's, there's a mystery about what kind of player is he going to be coming back from that major injury. But you hope for the best. But even if you do get 2019 Nick Bosa back, let's say he just comes back and doesn't miss a step. He just picks up right where he left off in 2019. He's a defensive end. He doesn't affect the game as much as a quarterback does. You can find those in the draft. You can draft other defensive. You can draft other pass rushers. You can get those. Deshaun Watson's Deshaun Watson. You don't find franchise quarterbacks every year. He's already proven. He's already established. Also be cheaper than Garoppolo next season. As per over the cap, Watson's base salary for 2021 is a little more than $10.5 million, with a higher cap number of $15.94 million. His contract is structured in a way that sees a significant increase in the following years. Watson's cap number is more than $40 million in 2022 and 2023, and it averages out to $33.35 million over the final two seasons of the deal. He just signed a four-year, um, multi-year, $160 million contract extension with the Houston Texans last season. He's already trying to get out. He's trying to force his way out of that, out of that situation in Houston for understandable reasons. But if the, if the Niners were to make that trade to bring him in, it wouldn't cost as much against the cap next season. And keep in mind, the salary cap is going to shrink next season due to COVID-19 and the loss of revenue from not having people at the games, fans in the stands this year. The salary cap was projected to go down to $175 million. It came out yesterday that the, that the cap will now be in $180 million for this upcoming season. A little bit better, but still not uh, what was expected before COVID hit. So the, the salary cap is going to shrink. So Contracts against the cap are going to be very important next season. There's other players the 49ers need to sign. Trent Williams, Jason Verrett, just to name a few. And you bring in Watson, like I said, it's only $10.5 million against the cap next year as opposed to Garoppolo, who will be $27 million against the cap. If you keep Garoppolo, you're not bringing back Trent Williams. You're not bringing back Jason Verrett because you can't afford to pay those guys. But you can make this trade with Houston and get Deshaun Watson, who's about $17 million less against the cap than Garoppolo would be, and still have money available to go out and get other players in positions of need, left tackle, cornerback, 
Our secondary is in shambles right now. To me, this is a no-brainer. And typically, I don't like giving up draft picks. I'm very much staunch critic and defender of the NFL draft. I'm a staunch believer in the NFL draft. I think that's the foundation of how you build a football team is the NFL draft. But like I said, if you have an opportunity to get a generational talent like Deshaun Watson, go ahead and do it. Be aggressive. Be assertive. Go out and make your move. Announce to the world that the San Francisco 49ers are not fucking around for this 2021 NFL football season. Bring Deshaun Watson to the Bay. Pair him with the Shanahan running scheme with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel can finally be a real NFL wide receiver right now if you bring in Deshaun Watson. He can actually run routes down the field and be a normal, actual, real NFL wide receiver instead of being a glorified running back because he has to supplement the offense in that way because the quarterback can't throw it down the field. Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Raheem Mostert, everyone else. This is a quality football team. This is a, a team that's ready to win right now. Instead of getting a quarterback that can only run the Shanahan system, get a quarterback that can do everything. Shanahan, at some point, got to put his pride in his suitcase, put his ego to the side. Stop worrying about who gets the credit for the offense being successful. Get the best player available. Get the best quarterback available. And right now, that's Deshaun Watson. As far as Jimmy is concerned, I can see Jimmy in one of three places. If he's not with San Francisco, I, I could also see a strong possibility regardless of everything I'm saying, of Jimmy Garoppolo being the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers next season. If they're not aggressive enough to make that deal for Deshaun Watson, I don't know who else you can bring in that would, like I said earlier, would satisfy the fan base or would be justifiable enough for getting rid of Garoppolo. So I could see Jimmy back on the team next season, but if he's not with San Francisco, I could see him in one of three places, either New England, Chicago, or the New York Jets. As far as the Patriots are concerned, that's the team that drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. He has prior history over there. Belichick did not want to trade him in 2017. Belichick was hoping Tom Brady would retire and just go away, and Jimmy Garoppolo would then ascend to becoming the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. Brady, of course, continued to play, still playing, and still playing at a high level. They went to the Super Bowl in the year that Garoppolo was traded, so it kind of forced their hand, so they had to get rid of Garoppolo because you can't have two quarterbacks in the roster making the amount of money that you have to pay both those guys. Jimmy's, Jimmy's contract was coming to an end at the end of the 2017 season, so the Patriots had to make a move. Bill Belichick reluctantly traded Jimmy Garoppolo to San Francisco. This would be a perfect opportunity to reunite those two, send them back to New England, or at least get on the phone and make a call to Bill Belichick and ask him, are you still interested in Jimmy Garoppolo? You might be because you had three quarterbacks in the roster last year who combined to throw for eight touchdown passes last year. Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer, and Jared Stidham combined through eight touchdown passes last season. So if you're Bill Belichick, you might want to bring Jimmy back. The Chicago Bears and the mess of a quarterback situation they have over there with Trubisky and Nick Foles. I don't think either of those quarterbacks are going to be on the Bears roster next season. That's just me making a prediction. Garoppolo was from Chicago, somewhere nearby. It could be a great story you could sell to the public or the hometown kid coming home. To play for the Chicago Bears, this is a team that has never had a quarterback in franchise history worth talking about. This is a team with a similar makeup to the 2019 49ers. They're very dependent on the running game and the defense to carry the day. All the quarterback has to do is just enough. Just do enough. Just give the defense 21, 24, 27 points. You can win in Chicago. I like the makeup of that football team. And you can sell them on Jimmy Garoppolo on the fact that he does have a win-loss record of 24-8. and 8. 
The one year he did start all 16 games, the team went to the Super Bowl. And there's plenty of things you could sell a team on about Jimmy Garoppolo. And Chicago might be willing to buy or make an investment in Jimmy, in Jimmy Garoppolo. So I can see Chicago being a potential destination. And the third one is the New York Jets because Robert Sala, the former defensive coordinator for the 49ers, is now the head coach for New York. So depending on what happens with Sam Darnold, if he comes or goes, I can see a scenario where Sala might lobby for his former quarterback in San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, to come in there and run Mike LaFleur's offense, which he's already very familiar with because Mike LaFleur was the passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers for the past three years. So he and Jimmy already have a relationship. They've already worked together. Jimmy already knows the offense. He's comfortable with Sala. It's a familiar situation for him. I can see either of those three trades or deals happening for Jimmy Garoppolo. If he doesn't play for the 49ers next season, I can see him in either New England, Chicago, or the New York Jets. I'll finish up with some thoughts about Russell Wilson and where he might go. or More than likely, he'll stay in Seattle. But I can see a scenario where he can force a trade out of there. And I would love to see it as a 49er fan because this dude's been kicking our ass for the past decade. So if Russell Wilson can get the fuck out the NFC, NFC West, that would be greatly appreciated. As I alluded to earlier, he went on the Dan Patrick radio show the week of the Super Bowl. This is rare. as the week after the Super Bowl. And he announced that he's thinking of, he wants an upgrade with his offensive line. He's tired of being under pressure all the time. He's, Russell Wilson has been sacked 394 times in his NFL career. Since 2011, that leads every quarterback in the NFL. He's been sacked almost 400 times. The Seahawks have never had an offensive line in front of Russell Wilson. They rely on Russ's improvisational skills and ability to make chicken salad out of chicken shit and run for his life and scramble and make these awe-inspiring, incredible plays. But at the age of 32, Russ is tired of that shit. Russ wants a quality offensive line in front of him. He wanted more say in who was going to be the new offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. He wants a more expansive offense in Seattle, which is at direct contrast with Pete Carroll. He wants to go back to that running-oriented offense that they had when they won a championship with Marshawn Lynch being the feature back. He wants to go back to that style of offense. Russ wants to open it up. So you have a conflict of interest in Seattle. Uh, Will Russ stay or go? More than likely stay. But if he were to go, like I said, I'd be very happy to see that. But I I appreciate the fact that Russ came out and said something publicly and put some pressure on his organization. I'm always going to be pro player. The same way I'm pro worker in a regular 9-to-5 situation. I'm always going to be pro player, pro worker, and anti-establishment, anti-corporation. There's nothing wrong with calling out your employer, especially when you're the quarterback of the football team, you're the face of the franchise, you're the best player on the football team. Russell Wilson has every right to call that team out. He has all the leverage. I would think in the 10 years he's been playing quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, he's built up enough goodwill, enough trust, enough respect that his words carry enough weight he can say whatever he wants to say without any type of repercussion. Um, I know I said I was going to finish up talking about Russell Wilson, but I wanted to finish up with some words on Dak Prescott who I also mentioned earlier uh, and kind of the layout of what this podcast is going to be. Another quarterback who could be coming and going, will he stay in Dallas? Will they finally give him the contract that they should have given him about a year or two ago? Will they put a franchise tag on him again? Dak Prescott broke his leg last season, and in doing so, to me, gave himself leverage in contract negotiations because Dak Prescott can look at Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboy brass and say, look how good this team was or how terrible this team was without me on the field. Now, they were 2-3 and three when Dak got hurt. Dallas's biggest problem last year was a terrible defense. They won those two games because of Dak Prescott. But they weren't very good either with Andy Dalton. They were terrible 
with Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci playing quarterback. That was a horrible football team for the middle of the season after Dak went out with injury. So Dak can look at Jerry Jones and say, well, look at your win-loss record without me. Look how the team performed after I got hurt. What kind of what what decision do you want to make? What do you want to do with this football team? What what's the direction of this team? Because Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the Cowboys roster. It's not even close. He's still in his mid twenties. Medical technology's come a long way. Dak, I think, will make a hundred percent recovery from that injury. You saw, look at Alex Smith. It took seventeen surgeries, but Alex Smith was still able to make a full full enough recovery from his leg injury. I think Dak Prescott could do the same thing. His his injury was not as severe as Alex Smith's. He's younger, and individually speaking, from a talent perspective, Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than Alex Smith. But I think with the win, with the performance of the Cowboys quarterbacks after Dak got hurt and his performance before he got hurt, Dak was Dak was playing incredible football before he got hurt. Dak was one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league before he got injured. I think a lot of people forget that. Dak was playing at a high level. Like I said, he was the reason Dallas even won those two games. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Dak Prescott in Dallas. Do they finally reward him and give him the contract he's been looking for? Do they franchise him? Do they move on in a different direction? Should Dallas move up in the draft and take someone? I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see it. Like I said, the quarterback carousel in the NFL right now is the most, the most fascinating and interesting thing in sports right now to me. Where are these quarterbacks going to go? where these big-name quarterbacks are going to play at next season. When the new league year starts on March 17th, we're going to see unprecedented quarterback movement in the NFL. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be awesome to see quarterbacks. Players in general are realizing they have more power than ever before. And I love seeing players speak up and use their voice. I love seeing what Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson have done and said. I encourage that. I promote that 100%. Keep, up, keep that up. Keep putting pressure on the organization. If the organization is not satisfying you, speak up and say something about it. Call them out. Put them on the spot. Once again, always pro player, always pro worker. Can't wait to see what's going to happen with the NFL offseason. Until next time, this is Deion Gordon, the Deion Gordon Podcast. Picture me rolling. I'm out.